I am your host, Raquel Ark, an American podcasting from Germany, and this is Listen In. Join this series of conversations with inspiring scientists, leaders, and authors about listening as a surprising superpower that is not always as easy as it seems. Believe me, I know, and I've been learning and will continue to learn, and I hope that this podcast will help you find practical ways to help others listen better while you become better at leading people, catalyzing collaboration, transforming conflict, building trust and engagement. And I'll tell you, when really good listening happens, then the entire group, including you, can feel energized and inspired. So sit back and enjoy listening beyond what we typically think of. How can leaders learn to build trust and provide a safe space for challenging conversations? This empowers the team to seek solutions themselves and become proactive rather than reactive. Colin Smith, also known as The Listener, shares stories and gives practical tips as to how to listen with deep impact. He has this innate ability to listen to people deeply and hold a space which enables people to open up and share their concerns, feelings, ideas. In this episode, Colin shows the many facets of how people are dying to be heard and how we can manifest a listen-first attitude in many ways with every opportunity that we have. And what's cool about his approach is that it helps others to listen to us as well. Enjoy listening to this inspiring conversation with Colin. Enjoy listening in. Welcome to the Listen In podcast, Colin. It's great to have you here today. It's really good to be here, Raquel. Thank you. So, Colin, you are known as the listener, and I'm sure you have a story to tell about why you have this title and, and how you got this name. But I'd like to go back in time a little bit to have you think about a, a moment or the moment where you really noticed the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work. Yeah. I think the sometimes when you have a gift, and we all have our own gifts, that I realized that listening was one of my gifts. But because it was one of those things that I did without realizing, I didn't realize it was a gift. And one thing I remember when I think back about it was a meeting I went to with an assistant and she was going to be taking notes. And after the meeting, she said, oh my goodness, I'm so tired. And I said, what do you mean? She said, I found that really hard work. And I said, tell me a bit more. And she said, we listened. We had to listen to him talking and talking and talking. It was great because we got lots of information. But I wanted to butt in. I wanted to interrupt. I wanted to add my stuff. And, but you just kept on listening. And you, as you, through either a question or the pause or the silence, he talks some more. And we've got such amazing material now. But how do you do that? <laughs> And, and so that was, that was really a pretty sort of important moment when I look back on it. But the idea of the listener came out over lunch with someone and 
the previous incarnation of my work, because uh, I've been in business now for about 12 years on my own, and we were talking about disruptive dialogue. And the idea of disruptive dialogue is you sit with someone for two, three hours, you have lots of uh, deep and meaningful conversation, you ask lots of good questions, and it really gets them thinking because it's an unusual conversation. And she said, one of the things you're really good at is listening. And it was like, oh, thank you. And we came up with an idea. We said, well, what about the listening coach? And I thought, mm. And the trouble with the listening coach, it feels that it has too much of a fix in it. So I said, what about the listener? And we went, oh, like that. <laughs> and, and so I use it a lot. Um, so when I'm introduced, I say I'm also known as the listener. And I usually get one of two answers. And the first one is the listener and a sort of an inquisitive look on their face. And the second is what with their hand around their ear, which is uh, they think is the musing one. And, and I say, <laughs> so I ask them that question. So when was the last time you felt really heard? And it stops people in their tracks. And they go, oh, my goodness. And one person said to me, it was, oh, Colin, she said, it was probably 30 years ago. And she said, it's in those days when you know, we put pen to paper. And I was a, just coming out of university. I'd written to a CEO, CEO who I'd seen on a, at a conference. And he replied and said he'd love to see me. So I, I went up to Birmingham to see him. And you know, for the first 30 minutes, he was totally interested in me, who I was, where I was from, what I was doing, where I wanted to go, what my future looked like, and all those sorts of things. And I felt so valued, so heard. It was incredible. And she said, it's sad that it's that long ago. Now, yeah, but the yeah. fact that she remembered it, that exactly. she knew right away that it was 30 years ago, like she, like that moment with this person it was like a sticking point for her. Correct. Right? Yeah. And yeah, that's, really interesting. That's how important this listening is. Mm. I mean, it really does matter. You know, you, you just said a lot in just a few, the first few moments, and I'm, I'm debating, do I keep listening or do I ask some questions? But I think I'm going to ask you a question. So basically, you came to recognize that you had a gift of listening by other people observing you. And I'm curious what, I mean, they noticed that you didn't interrupt. They noticed that you asked questions. Was there anything else that they noticed that you hadn't really thought of before about what made or what, which allowed this gift of listening to happen in these situations? Wow, there's, there's um, what you've touched on here is, I think, the fundamental difference. And I, I go back to Celeste Headley's um, 10 Ways to Have Better Conversations, when she says that you can do all the nodding and the eye contact and all these sorts of things, but actually, that's just, excuse my language, that's just crap. And it was like, wow. And then she said, when someone is really listening to you, it doesn't need any additional um, cues, if you like. And so why I think what you've, what you've asked is really important is 
it's not about doing listening. So here are 10 top things to do when you're listening. The most important thing is to be a listener. And that's really different. And so it's about how you arrive, how you show up. Your presence, your intention is underneath all of that. And so you could sit with someone and not say anything and they would get that you're listening. Yeah, you're in total. It's, it's like the eye gazing, which I'm sure you've done. You sit and just look at someone and so much is conveyed. As in particularly, is this person really here with me now? And I think the other bit is it moves us from a doing to another to being with another. I love that. It's cool. It's really, yeah. it's like, yes, that's the <laughs> difference. It's from being opposite someone to sitting with them. It's Brenny mm -hmm. Brown's where you put an arm on, your sh on their shoulder and you go, I'm with you. Mm -hmm. Words are not necessary. I wonder if it's doing to someone or getting from versus yes. being with. Yes. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like the getting from. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing I was thinking about this, you know, I've, I've this being exhausted because it takes a lot of energy and focus. So sometimes it is mainly because, you know, it's a new muscle we're exercising. You know, that's one thing. So, so there's that type of exhaustion. But there's this exhaustion also of, of we have this pattern of what we typically do and we're holding ourselves back from our typical pattern of interrupting or of wanting to say something or whatever. So that at first can be exhausting. And yet... Once it clicks about the being with and that I'm being with you or with this team and listening in a way that it's not about getting you something from you, but it's a way of how do I contribute, whether it's my presence, whether it's making a connection between what all of you are saying, whether it's, I don't know, something, I don't know, an, an idea that just emerged or whatever, that this being with then actually becomes more relaxing and more energizing. Yeah, 100%. And as our, our good friend Jane Adstead-Grant would say, within the time-to-think environment, it, that presence ignites your thinking. Yeah, she was on another podcast, so it was, it was wonderful, wonderful interview. Yes. Jane. Mm -hmm. You know, I was noticing that when you were speaking, that you also brought up this aspect of disruptive dialogue. So something that's disruptive. And usually this word disruptive has, I don't want to say a negative connotation, but it has a more stressful and stress-induced kind of connotation. But I would imagine that whatever this is, I bet it's actually not, it's disruptive, but not destructive. I'd like to know more about what you mean by disruptive dialogue. What even though there is some element of structure to this conversation today, already you've said something, I've said something that has taken my thinking or your thinking off in a different direction. And who's to know? So even that one we said right at the beginning, when was the last time you felt really hurt? Now, you may well take that with you and think about that. And it might be an hour, it might be a day, it might be a week. And you go, oh my goodness. And suddenly a whole series of little pieces all click into place. And for me, what this conversation has done with 
that simple interaction was disrupt. Disrupt our normal thinking, our day-to-day um, repeating what we repeat every day. You know, so people say, hi, how are you? I'm fine. And it's a, it's a constant thing. We say it all the time, whatever that word is or words are. But somebody actually says, so how are you really feeling? Oh, hang on a minute. How am I really thinking? So I've now got to, to actually step into myself inside and look and, and wonder what it is I'm feeling at this moment. So the disruption is about disrupting our normal thinking enabling us to think things differently so we see the world differently as a result of the conversation and dialogue is really about and again i'm i'm pushing i'm telling you it was it grandmother to suck eggs you understand but but for many uh, what do you mean dialogue dialogue is about me i statement so you're sharing your view into the middle i'm sharing my view into the middle it's not about conflict it's not about judging it's not about having a a debate or a discussion where there's a winner, we're all winners in this. So the idea of a, a disruptive dialogue is one that actually shifts all of our thinking as a result of it. And in fact, you could take that conversation and have two people having a disruptive dialogue and have others sitting around observing. And in turn, their thinking would be disruptive too. Yeah. Yeah, I love it when when being in a situation with one person or a group of people where all of a sudden you just see like all of a sudden it's like the everything opens and all mm. of a sudden people are getting excited or new ideas yes. and things are just flowing and then it's, you know, there's energy in the room and all of a sudden it's more than it was a few minutes ago. You can really sense that shift. Perfect. Mm-hmm. But then part of the issue comes up for that is why does that not happen more? And so you, let me get into that whole question of psychological safety. Is it safe for me to share what I'm thinking and feeling at this moment, be it in a one-to-one or in a one-to-group or, or in, a, in a team environment? Or am I just waiting for what the, the leader says and then I'll agree with him or her? Do you know, I know this, this is going on track, off track just a little bit, but not really. For those leaders who are listening to this, this is really important. Or if you want to go into leadership. I've often, you know, you have these situations where leaders want their group, they want people to, to talk more, you know, to engage more. Yep. And yet they go to a meeting and they're the first ones to give their ideas. <laughs> the problem yes. with that, or to give their analysis or whatever, because they have this agenda, right? And they have to get things done. They're busy. The problem is if you're a leader and you speak first in the group, the others will shut down. They'll be afraid to say something. So one of the best bosses I had was someone who would never be the one to first talk. She would facilitate, but she would listen always first, always. And then maybe if there was something left that she wanted to add, she would add it. But if we, were, if we said everything that needed to be said, she'd let it be or let us own the ideas, right, to engage with it. And I don't, so this tells me that sometimes even just the simple structure or how things are organized can make a difference on that happening. It's not just about the people, also the structure and and the flow and how things are organized within, let's say, a meeting or a workshop, whatever, can make a huge difference. Yeah. And, and I think when people get used to the fact that the leader comes in and says, here is the problem as I understand it, what do you think? And is genuinely interested in what they may say and will ask that lovely question, which I'm sure Jane would have said as well, 
And what more, John, and what more, Leslie, would, would you want to say, think or feel about this particular aspect? And the deal is that everyone in the group listens and because when it's your turn, you'll get the chance and then people will listen to you. But we've also got to be succinct, as, as we talked about in that conversation last week. Be succinct in what you've got to say because then you become worth hearing. And at, and at the end, as you rightly say, the leader can add his or her thoughts afterwards, if there are any. But give the, pray, give the opportunity for someone else who's come up with the idea that, in the end, you think is the right idea. But also, there's one other little bit in that, is when the leader goes into that meeting, they need to go in prepared that their idea, what the answer is, may be changed. So there's an openness, a willingness, yeah, this is what I think it should be, but actually, I'm willing to listen to everyone's view before I come up with mine. And I, I often do the, a six and a nine exercise where you see it as a six, I see it as a nine. And it's like, what? How can you see that as a six and I see it as a nine? Why don't I come and ask you and sit with you on your side, back to our be with you, and let me understand why you see it the way you do. And somebody, there's another version of that where you take, what's, what's half of eight? And people go, it's four. And you go, a child might go, it's three. And you go, what? How, does it, how is it three? You put a line down the eight, right? And then somebody said to me, when I was telling them, well, it could be zero. And I went, what? And they said, cut the eight. And it's like, of course, right? We don't see it. But when we take the time to be interested and genuinely interested in the other, we might get a surprise. You know, I was thinking, so here you you have spent a lot of time listening, right? And and here I am. I invited you to be here so I could really listen to you, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of people who ask, you know, how do I get people to listen to me? How do I get people to listen to me, right? Mm, yeah. So what would you say? Because you've gotten me to listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I would normally ask at that point when they ask me that, I ask, what do you think? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, because again, you know, we're doing we're, we're sort of what's the modeling that particular thing. So, just because I have an answer doesn't mean it's the right answer. Let me ask you what you think first, right? But I mean, you could, you could answer if you wish. I have the the answer for me is listen first. So, really, I'm saying that. Yeah. So the answer is listen first, which means asking them what they think. What do you think the answer is? Wow, I had one person. When I asked her what she thought, she almost broke down in front of me. She said, no one's ever asked me in this business what I think. Seriously. And it was like, oh, my goodness. You know, some of the things, I, you know, it's really great to be aware of that. And one of the things you're right, role modeling this, this listening, you know, where, where because the chances that someone will listen to you after is much higher. Not always, but it's higher. And the other thing is, I think it's important for... And, and I thought about this for myself. Like, it's important for me to be very clear when I can listen at my best and, and what I need from others to listen to me. And so that if someone wants me to listen to them, that I'm in a place where I really can, you know, because I can't always. And to be very aware of when that, what that means for me. Everyone's unique on that. 
And the second thing is that if I need to be listened to, you know, that it's taken me time and I'm still, you know, I do this pretty well with some people, not with everyone, but to find ways to let the person know what I need in that moment. But whatever I ask for, I have to be willing to give it back, you know? And so that's also important to recognize. But for example, if I ask a question, like I did this happen to my, just the other, this happens often in marriages probably. <laughs> so I asked my husband a question. His answer is not actually answering my question. His answer is answering what he has in his mind that he's trying to figure out. Right. And so beforehand, I think I used to get a little frustrated, but now I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I'd like to know more about that. And yet, actually, I was looking for this information. <laughs> this is what I really need, you know? And instead of getting frustrated or say, oh, they're not listening to me, just to let him know, because he didn't realize it. You know, he just was busy and on his mind, had something on his mind, and then answered from that perspective. So instead of letting it get to a conflict place, to just get clear and to be very clear with what's needed in that moment, but also be open that you know, because you have two people there, it's a creative process. It's disruptive, right? When you have two people <laughs> that, that it may be even different than, than, you know, it may even dif be different than what I think, you know, and something better might be there. So I, mm. I'm totally with you on that. And particularly about the clarity of the communication, because you may well have arrived, your husband's got his head in something else. He might be working or reading or, or, or just thinking about something else. And so our first few words may not have even been registered because, you know, he knows you're not a threat. So he's not registering those first few words anyway, right? And when you have it, you have his attention and you're, you're still, because you're still talking, he's, he's still in his mind. So one of the, the things I've, I've learned from, a filmmaker called Nick Askew was when he sits down to interview people, he said, I need to, first of all, still and quieten myself in order that I can see and hear them. And if we don't get a chance to do that, it's almost we need to have that in order for us to do that. And sometimes when somebody comes to us and said, you know, I'd like to talk and I love the idea that you communicate you need to talk. And I, I just want to be, maybe I just want to be heard. I don't need a fix. I don't need a solution. I just need to be heard. I might say, is it like urgent, urgent, I need to listen now? Or can we do this in 10 minutes time? And in most cases, they say 10 minutes time will be fine because it gives them a chance to, to think it over themselves. But in 10 minutes time, I need to be there. And when I come to be with you, back to being with you again, I really need to be fully present. I can't be carrying all the stuff that I've been doing. I need to be as fully present as I possibly can. Because if I can't, then the quality of my listening will not be there. It'll feel like, for you, it'll feel like, oh, you're just hearing the words, not listening to me, which is what I want. And sometimes when we, we give very clarity, I just need to be able to vocalize what I'm saying. And I had a friend of mine do exactly that. He walked into the office, he shut the door, he said, Colin, can you just listen to me so that I can speak my thoughts? And I did. I don't know whether it's Biden, it's Democrat, it doesn't matter. 
And he said, great, thank you for that. I've now heard what I'm thinking. I can go. Yeah. And that was it. Mm -hmm. right? That was it. Yeah. yeah. No yeah. corruption, no judgment, no thoughts or anything that I had to offer. The presence of someone there enabled him to hear his thinking. Yeah. And actually, if we have these, the I call them our, our listening team, these types of people in our lives that we can just call and say, hey, I need 10 minutes, you know? Yes. So um, just to think some things out. And that can be so, so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise, you can get into the situation where you, you become the victim. You know, I've, I've got this. Oh, look, darling, don't worry. I'll sort it out. Here's what you do. Okay, thank you. So I'm denying you the opportunity to be the creator and someone who owns their life. What do you think? Oh, let me think this through. Yeah, I think for that. And, and realistically, the when in that situation, for leaders who complain about not having or time, you know, which we a lot of times don't, or very busy, because often we're jumping and trying to solve the solution really quick, you know, help them really yep. quick. But if you just take that same time, 10 minutes or 15 minutes and let them yes. talk it through and they go off and do it, then you don't have to do anything. You've just exactly. a lot of time. <laughs> so just saying, it may seem, <laughs> it may seem like you're wasting time, but you're actually saving yourself time. Maybe not always, but you might be surprised. And talking about surprises, Colin, can you think of a moment that you were just really surprised by listening like really surprised so just go back to what, the, what you were talking about the the connection with the two people is that when the person who's come with the question answers their question they're more likely to sorry not more like they will own the solution that they've come up with and they'll give it their 100 percent to solve rather than taking what you've said as the answer so anyway, back to your, your question. The one, that's, one thing that surprised me most of all, and this is, this is me being very open and very, I was very judgmental at the time. It was a workshop I was running, an open public one at an event, and two people came in and it was like, oh, really? You know, they looked like two bikers, you know, leather jackets, hair all over, pretty disheveled, etc. It was like, okay. And so I was judgmental. I, I admit that. And one of the exercises I do, I get them in pairs listening to each other properly. So one listens, one, one speaks, then one speaks and the other listens. And these two people, I hadn't realized at the time, were partners. And as they said to me afterwards, this was the first time they both felt really heard by the other. They were in tears talking to each other. And it was... A surprise, but it was also one of the most beautiful moments um, I've experienced. And it also gave me a real slap around the face for, or around the back of the head, really, for the judgment I'd made, which was totally wrong. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, we're, we're quick to judge by what we see yes. visually. And then what yes. actually really happens from, you know, the, the human side is actually <laughs> doesn't matter their clothes or skin color, where they're from, this human side is, uh, yes. or titles, it doesn't matter, does it? No. Yeah. And, yeah. and do we care about someone to enable us to listen? Or could we listen fully and as a result we'd end up caring about them? Right. Yeah. And caring for someone doesn't always mean you always agree with them, but you st oh. can still care for them, mm -hmm. right? But it's then how we have 
the conversation, how we have, see, most people, you say to them, what, what does conflict mean? And it's, metaphorically, it's war. It's, I've got to be right, you've got to be wrong. That's the, and yet, conflict is that sand in the oyster that creates the pearl. Yeah, that agitation. But if it's not safe, it's very much harder to have a disagreement, a discussion, a conversation, a dialogue, and to be able to come through it together. You know, my six and nine example. So now I'm glad you brought up the conflict, the word conflict, because this is, this comes up, this is a question, I don't know if you get this question, but I get this question often, you know, how to, how to work with conflict, you know, challenging conversations and whatnot. And, you know, also, you know, I work with a lot of very, you know, multicultural, diverse teams. So when it comes down to it, it's not about what culture, whatever, it's more about, you know, people, the people side of things. So right now you... Maybe you can share some thoughts or ideas or even a story around how to create perhaps that safe space in a busy business context to support having those those challenging conversations, those difficult conversations to embrace the conflict and have healthy communication within that conflict. That was a big question, but you can take it wherever yeah. you want to. Um, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> yes, only easy questions. You know, how do you, how do you create trust? How do you create safety? Because all of those, those need to be in place before you can really open up with, with, um, with what would be conflict or, or disagreement. Because people are worried about if I, if I speak up or speak out, then I'm going to be marginalized. I'm going to, I might lose my job. I might be ostracized as in, I now long, now no longer belong with this group. And that's really hard for people. So how do we create that shift? And this is really what has to come from the top. And there was a, there's a story of the, the submarine commander who takes over a new submarine, which isn't, hasn't been performing very well um, in terms of its performance um, as an operating unit. And he made it really clear from day one, he said, I'm, even though I have the title as the commander, all of the work and decisions are going to be made by the people who are best able to make them. And he said, I, I changed the culture in a moment, but it took about six months for it to bed in. Because now, he says, you come on board the submarine, you'd be hard-pressed to know who the commander was. I mean, if you, if you saw me in my, in my, um, my jacket and everything and, and things like that, you'd know it. But, but in the main, you wouldn't. Because rather than asking me questions, they're all deciding what, what needs to be done. So things can change quite quickly, but it's how the individual, the leader, the, the leaders, or as it goes down the organization, how they respond to that. I had a situation, gosh, many, many years ago with a multi, multinational organization. And it was a friend of mine working there at a, at a reasonably senior position, but really quite low in the, in the grand hierarchy. And the new CEO came in and said, I want this to be an open culture. I want us to be able to share what we're thinking and feeling. So my friend thought, oh, that's a good idea. So he wrote this letter or email to the CEO with his thought. And instead of the CEO coming back to him with a thank you for that, that's really helpful. I'll keep you posted as how the, this, these conversations are going. It went down the chain of command until his boss 
eventually got the email and said to him, what on earth do you think you're doing? All right. So from that moment, he realized it wasn't safe. Um, there's also a guy who is a pilot of a, an airline, captain on a, on a plane. And the first thing he says to them in the crew briefing, and bear in mind that this is a crew that's, even though some may know each other, this total configuration will not be the same. He said, if you think, feel, notice, sense any of those things, that there may be something that might jeopardize the safety of the plane, passengers, or the crew, come and see me. I don't care what it is. It doesn't matter if you're wrong or it's, it's a simple thing that you should have known. It doesn't matter. Just let me know. And then when they do come, he really takes it seriously. And at the end, when they've had the flight, he will, will, will um, single them out to say, you know, this was Joe. He came up. He asked me this question. Thank you, Joe, for asking that, because at that moment you were concerned. And I really value that. And when you start to put those messages out, people start to respond little by little. Some do it very much more easily. Some take a little bit more time to do it. But little by little, more people do it. So it's not a quick fix. You can't go from day one where conflict was something we, uh, we just don't do to something that we will do. But if you start doing the right things, and that's where this idea of listen first comes in, if we all learn that idea of listening first, then it starts to, uh, starts to help. If we start listening without judgment, with curiosity, with interest, with equality, with ease, then everything flows much better. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I love these examples, also in really critical situations, but they can be used in, in a lot of different situations, right? Yeah. yeah. On, on how to create the safe space. And in that situation, that, that is a listening piece that you say that you want this. So when they come, then you really listen, you yes. take it serious. Yes. You know, there, it's more, you know, without the judgment, you just figure the thing out. And then you appreciate the person for the process, for what they, you know, for following through there. Yeah. You know, so. Having the courage. Mm -hmm. yeah. I appreciate the courage you had to come and ask me that question. It can't have been easy, but they did. And we, whenever we get feedback, it usually is a mixture of positive and negative, and it's about my performance, what I'm doing. When we get appreciation, it's about who I am, and it's always positive. Yeah. So, so with a lot of this just in the mind. Um... What and your work with with leaders and or some of the individuals that you're working with, what's important for leaders and or, and individuals and organizations to know? If you look at many of the research, much of the research that's been done in areas of leadership, you notice that if there was the top ten, that five, six, seven of them relate to communication of one sort or another or you know building the team and, and things like that and the way I look at it is that the heart of all of those you know six seven aspects is listening and it's the one thing that rarely gets the mention and my thinking is that it's one of those um, almost like foundational stones that you can put in that changes everything if we learn to listen better um, and I, I don't know if you've, you've shared it, but there's a, a lovely video by Tom Peters 
a, a very well-known consultant from the 70s, uh, author of um, In Search of Excellence. And he, made, he said, I would have in my MBA, the first uh, six months would be part one, strategic listening. And in the next six months, part two, strategic listening for everyone. And throughout the whole course, the whole MBA program. <laughs> yeah, it's all about listening, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, learning is really, really key about listening and having the chance to practice it, to really put it into practice. And that takes time. I mean, you and I both know we're still practicing, right? Exactly. Yeah, always <laughs> work in progress. <laughs> we're always a work in progress. And so, you know, I think that's, you know, what's interesting when you talk about this top 10 list, you know, like even words like empathy, you know, but I'm like, but actually listening is the process to get to empathy. So we, empathy is in kind of an end result, yes. right? Yep. But the listening is how you get there yeah. or collaboration. Yep. It's an end result, but listening is how you get there. And it doesn't mean <laughs> yes. that listening that you're not talking. That's not what it is. But when you do say something, then it's it fits into what's just happened in the group. You know, it's this, it's this has more value. It, you know, it, it's a more of a, a little bit of a more of a creative process, but also you can speak more clearly in a way that others can listen to you. And also it fits with what's actually happening. You know? So, so yeah, it's really interesting about that. I'm really excited actually, because I teach at a university in Kelowna, private university. And when they were doing accreditation, I mean, it's a slow process here in Germany. I'm like, Hey, can we get a listening class in here? And the Dean of the the uh, business, the international business school says, hey, send me a proposal. So I sent her one and they accepted it and it got approved. So now we're developing the program to start next year. It's only one class, but it's brilliant. And it's a class, but at least we need more of these, right? Yeah. So, so more of these in these programs also for our business leaders. So anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and I've heard that when they do put these sort of programs on, they become the most popular. It's weird, you know, that people want to know how to listen. And it's like, yeah. really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and sometimes when I was in the U.S., I used to teach interpersonal communication. And most it was a requ required class, actually. And there was a couple, little bit of listening in there. There was some active listening and paying it. And I can't remember. It was the basics, which is also helpful. But I remember most people, 90% of the people in that class were required to be there. And... <laughs> And so they were there because they had to be there, not because they chose it. And yet by the end of the program, when they started realizing the impact also at work or in their family, then they were so happy that they had taken it, but they didn't realize that they really needed it. And I don't know if they would have chosen it. So I would love it to be a required <laughs> program eventually, just saying. <laughs> I, what you've said there is the biggest issue I find because people go, why, why do I need listening, Colin? I've got two ears. And you go, yes, but that's hearing. Sorry? But isn't hearing and listening the same thing? No. And I've done an exercise where I play a piece of music, only 30 seconds, four times. First time, I just throw it out. Just listen to this. And they listen to it. Second time, listen to the vocals. The third time, listen to the piano and the drums. And then the fourth time, just be with the music as it flows through you. And I've honestly, I've been accused of changing the music, right? Because now they're being with, they're really listening to the music, not hearing it, 
not just hearing it, really listening to the music. And it feels different because I'm now putting all of my attention. I mean, one lady, when I said about the, what did you notice? She said, gosh, she said, I could really hear the pain in the singer's voice. Wow, I hadn't, I hadn't heard that. But she was really listening. She could really feel the intonation in, in what he was saying. 30 seconds, that's all, right? And how much could we hear or how much could we listen to someone and what would we really get from it? get often a very different message. Of course, you can go down the pub. I don't have a problem with that. When you really listen, they're really saying, actually, I'd rather you were here with me. Not that I don't want you to go to the pub. I'd rather you were here with me at this moment because I'm struggling. So with that in mind, what's really important for our listeners to take away with them? What, what's important for you that they take away? One is to really think about the difference between listening and hearing. And then the other, I suppose, is just try a couple of things. So one might be, and we've, we've done it a few times on this call already, is just pause when the other person's finished speaking. And it might be three seconds. I talk about a three-second rule. And it's enough for you to take a really deep breath and let it out or just to take a glass of water. And then if they've got nothing to say or nothing comes up, you might ask the man what more, but then you've got the chance to speak. Because the moment we thinking about what we're going to say, we've already stopped listening. So that's one thing to uh, practice and just try that and see what happens. Just notice what's happened. And the other is don't try and fix the problems. You know, we talked about the power of that. Don't try and offer a solution straight away. Let them come up with something that they think. And yeah, so that's what I'd like people to take away. So you mentioned earlier that it's important to listen first. Mm -hmm. What is it that you're noticing in the work that you do as the listener about this listen first? What I've noticed when, when I listen first is first of all people love to talk they love to get their words out but when i continue to listen they notice that it's a this is unusual and they they carry on talking and you notice that they get calmer you notice that their voice softens or lowers uh, they don't speak quite as quick you're starting to get things being said that they don't normally say. And they go, oh, gosh, I've really not, never said this before, or I've never thought this before. And here it is arriving for them. You know, it's a wave of thinking, another wave of thinking, another wave of thinking that they, don't, they rarely get the chance to bring out. And at the end of it, they can actually go away from a conversation thanking me for such a great time and telling other people what a great time I had with Colin. And they'll ask, so what's, who is he? What does he do? And they go, oh, I don't know. But he's a really lovely guy. And yet, so what happened? Actually, I say all he did, all he did was listen. And it's like, because it, because it is so unusual. It's seen as special. 
So as in this conversation that we've had today, <laughs> Colin, what maybe little wave have you discovered for yourself? <laughs> what I've enjoyed about it today is it causes me to stop and reflect and think back because of the quality of the questions that you've asked, asked. Ah, I hadn't thought of that one. Right. So what does that mean? And so, and you've, I appreciate your listening because you've enabled me to think better and come up with some, some new ways of uh, expressing what I express. So thank you. <laughs> well, it's been a pleasure. Is there a question I, ha I haven't asked you that you would like me to ask you or something that is important that you would like to say to our listeners? I would say the, the, the first question I would say is, you know, when was the last time you felt really heard? Right? Because that's such a insightful question. And then the other one, which we've touched on many times is listen first, listen all ways. So all the different ways you can listen always, so always do that because we're all dying to be heard. Sadly, in this day and age, far more people, far more people are taking their own lives or struggling with mental health and because of the pandemic feeling isolated and lonely. And so by listening first, listening always, always will enable more people to feel heard. And uh, yeah, as we say, dying to be heard literally and figuratively. Yeah. Just one last thing. I just want to point this out because we also have lots of listeners from, from different countries that are not all um, native English. So we'll, I'm going to write this down, what you just said, always meaning all of the time, but always also meaning many different ways. Yes. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's lots of ways of different ways of listening to people. So that's the all ways. And then yeah. the always is always. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, always. <laughs> I thought, well, <laughs> I love, I love the plain word that I just wanted to make sure that yes. that was really caught. Yes, yes. That's, <laughs> so. that's exactly right. And the other bit I would add is actually, it depends. You know, people say, well, what about this? Is there a rule for this? No, there's no rules. We know if we, if we instinctively are present with someone, we'll know what to do. We'll know what to say. We'll know when to uh, add in our bit because it feels right and it will feel congruent to the uh, the person who's speaking. Yeah. Yeah, that's something where I'm I'm hesitant about giving checklists out because then people will focus on the checklist and not on on really being present. So in the end it's good to have a plan, it's good to be prepared, it's good to practice and then in that moment just <laughs> just be there. <laughs> yes, just quiet and still myself in order to see and hear the person in front of me. That's what I did before this conversation. I just stopped, whew, right, just still myself. All the things that have been going on for me, I can put to one side. Let's just be here, be with Raquel, Raquel now. Well, I'm happy that you are here with me <laughs> now, and it's been a really wonderful conversation. Thank you so much, Colin. Thank you. I am your host, Raquel Ark from Listening Alchemy, and I hope you are inspired by this episode of Listen In and find one person today to practice your listening superpower. 
Please subscribe and like this podcast and share it with others so we can catalyze a listening movement together. A big thank you to Ivo Tiemann for producing the music and Cecilia Mercado for getting this podcast set up. Find more information at www.listeningalchemy.com. Enjoy listening in. Enjoy listening in.